The views and opinions expressed during I Am A Triangle do not represent WKNC or student media. This is Liz Knox, and you're listening to Eye on a Triangle. With the rise in people being vaccinated against COVID-19 in North Carolina as of July 2021, more and more local venues are hosting shows again. In this episode, I had a conversation with Daniel Correa, the lead singer of Miami-based band The Collective Bus, who's going to play a show at the Poorhouse Music Hall in July 2021. The band is going on a small tour around North Carolina right now, and I was super excited to be able to interview someone from band at this time, as things are progressively going back to being more stable for the music industry. We talked about the feeling of getting back on stage after months without any live shows, his relationship to his audience, the pressure of social media, the revival of pop punk, and many other things. I hope you enjoyed the episode. My first question is pretty obvious, but how are you feeling about getting back on stage? It does feel like it does feel good to finally propel ourselves back into the new normal. I feel a bit nervous, wrapped up in excitement. I try to not set any expectations for anything because I philosophically I feel like that's setting yourself up for disappointment. So for for anything, I'm just like it will be a show. That's that's my response when any when anybody tells me like, oh, I'm excited for it. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. It's going. I'm just like. It's going to be a show. Yeah. It'll, it'll be an experience. Because I feel meaning in in of itself is retroactive. We we decide that afterward, after we've ex- experienced the thing that may be bad or good or whatever. So I, um, I'm actually doing a gig tonight. There'll be my first gig in um, since March of 2020. A good thing that you're not putting too much pressure on yourself, even after a year and a half of not performing. Like it's a good way to look at it. Wait, no, sorry, March of March of 2021. Oh, sorry. Right. Okay. So you played recently not that not that bad did you feel more stressed out at the time or were you like you know just feeling the same like oh it's just a show like i just had more time to rehearse or yeah it was it was just a show we had been doing live streams in the interim it was like this is a bar gig chance to stretch our legs <laughs> and do some stuff that i had Obviously, a lot of stuff happened in the world, especially close to home and in the political sphere. The capital riots specifically, I was deeply affected by. And that sort of accelerated my mindset to be, I was going to start with a pop album, then like an arena rock, then then go into punk. And and because of the, the political state of the world had accelerated so fast because of COVID, I was just like, my I, I need to use my voice in some way. I need to use my privilege to the fullest extent that I can and just exercise my voice at every opportunity. <laughs> so that's what I did at this bar gig and went on a, went on a little rant towards the people who stormed the Capitol riot and I'm not, we can't play there again. <laughs> I got banned. I got banned. It's it's fine. We only played there like once a year, even even if there wasn't COVID or anything. So not not a loss. You just like made your point and then left forever. I I'm sorry, buddy. We're not we're not for you. I'm not. 
I don't I don't care. I don't care to play hate. You'll have so many more opportunities. I mean, you're going on tour right now. And yeah, we're doing a, yeah. that's the whole reason for the interview that we're we're doing a little micro tour in North Carolina, playing at uh 158th on Main, uh during the food truck festival, then doing uh playing at Buzzed Viking in Concord, and then finally at the poorhouse, co-headlining with a former guitarist, but a longtime friend, always a friend. Ben Ben Youngblood, who actually listens to your show all the time, big oh, fan. That's so cool. Yeah, it'd be great for you guys to have him on. Yeah. Um, have you ever been to the poorhouse before? Like, have you ever played in North Carolina or? The only time we've played in North Carolina is in just in a bowling alley <laughs> that oh, they've really? retrofitted part of it to have a a like sort of dance floor okay the my experience in playing in north carolina is there a few times and then another bar yeah i was gonna say it's exciting to finally play in an actual venue with like you know a crowd of people and like you know the place is actually made for shows it's not just a little thing on the side it's like they host shows all the time and it's going to be like a full-on like high quality experience for everyone um my mindset in regards to performance is that you give you give 100 uh even when it's not needed especially when it's not needed i think of michiro endo of the punk band the stalin in japan he there's a video of him and his band playing for a morning morning show in front of a bunch of japanese housewives totally not their audience but he's just giving it his all he you know he goes on the floor he's like kind of doing his squeal kind of like running around and then the, the clip ends with him diving into the audience and that's the energy that I that I try to embody his and, and Angelique Kijo who you know once you get out of there you check your ego at the door yeah it's and like no matter the audience or the place you lay out you like give your 100% just do what you came to do exactly the audience in itself doesn't I don't care if if they're there i don't care if they're not there if i can just curate a good time that is what matters even even if there's no audience you know there's still there still could be uh there still is the owner there's still the staff if i could still curate a good time uh, there's still the band part of my job is to be able to curate a good time for them so that way they want to uh, stay involved and keep keep riding riding the bus as it were that's important to me not just from an employment coworker perspective but also just like as friends as people yeah that makes sense. Is there any way your way of performing is going to change going forward, like after the pandemic and all of that? Like, is there, I don't know, like a new instrument you're going to play on stage or something new? you want to try that you didn't used to do before the pandemic? Oh, for sure. The biggest change is one, the the music, the music itself, a lot of what I've written recently is a byproduct of the pandemic and is going to take a more political subversive edge. Taking to the natural extreme of, of some of my early work, like Don't Stop and Fold It Back, or yeah, that certainly had political themes, but it was definitely subtext. It was definitely the secondary layer. This is going to operate in the primary primary layer it's going to be uh more aggressive do you think in terms of genre even if you don't stick to a specific genre but in terms of genre does that mean you're going to be playing like punk music or is it just in the lyrics per se more on the punk end yes 100 yeah. yeah. percent um 
Yeah, and then we're starting to write stuff as a band for really the first time with, I guess, between the main three of us, David, Aldo, and I, and we all collectively have a similar taste towards math rock, progressive rock, and so we're writing stuff akin to that. This this will all slowly make its way into our show, but for right now, you're going to see little bubbles of it. Uh, especially at the poorhouse show are you gonna play stuff at the shows you're gonna play north carolina like stuff you haven't released yet yes yeah because i was gonna say when i looked you up on spotify uh, i mean the collective bus and then you on your own i listened to you like the latest single you've released with your band so take time and was more of a like soft indie rock ballad kind of thing so you guys are like gonna take the leap of faith hoping your audience is like gonna get on board with like more aggressive stuff right away because i mean that's sounds super cool as far as I'm concerned but it's like in terms of your discography on Spotify like it's gonna go from like soft indie rock to like straight up punk yeah well here from my perspective we're not gonna do it immediately and we have stuff that's just kind of all over the place we did the a burning down a house cover that's kind of like alt funk and then we did a jigsaw falling into place by Radiohead definitely rock left to center the transformation depends on like multiple factors that are up up in the air it's fighting between the artist and then the brand yeah. and you don't want to alienate people straight out of the gate but it's also on this on the same wavelength like who are these people because of COVID we're kind of starting from the bottom we don't have a fan base to begin with so it's whatever we want and that's kind of why I'm doing it I want to cultivate an atmosphere for everybody to enjoy for everybody to feel safe to resonate with to have an outlet for the anger that I'm feeling or to feel welcomed and to know that we don't tolerate any sort of bigotry in this band. But yeah, it's like the perks of being a relatively small band is that you don't really have huge expectations from your fan base. If you want to switch to punk, let's say tomorrow, or like play a completely new set of songs, I don't think people are going to care that much. And I think they're just going to enjoy their night just like they would have if you had played any other kind of music. The only difference is that you get to play the music first of all that you like playing and second of all you get to write songs that are more aligned with where you are at right now you know just like you were saying about your anger and the political issues you want to tackle and I just think it's really great like you get to write about anything you want and you don't have to fear people not being on board or leaving your fan base or anything like that because you're still growing precisely th thank you yeah the only the only thing we're concerned is repeats of what happened at the Gator Talk where we, we got banned for being overtly political. So again, this is a safe space. This is a place for LGBT people of color, etc. Um, yeah, it's a really positive message. And like, just like, like a safe space for everyone involved. Like, have you ever like done a full like US tour, like all around the US before? Yes. So before this, before COVID and all this stuff, we were a support act for Anna Nalik and uh, John Waite, which were, um, one was a new wave act back in the 80s, John, and then the other had a, a big hit in the 2000s, Breathe, and then did like small, small tours. I, and regardless, we, we did do, we did see a lot of the U.S., played at a lot of these reputable places like Iron Horse, Music Hall, Ram's Head, you know, uh, the City Winery Circuit, bunch of bunch of other places, 
and that was a great experience that was that was pre pre all this and obviously we were playing a lot of the pop stuff and that's how we were able to get get that at all like what was your favorite show you've played up until now like what, did you have like a specific venue or band you've played with or i don't know just uh, something you remember in a positive manner Yeah, there's this uh, this one time we were playing in Bay City, Michigan, and we did, we it was probably one of our best shows. We got a standing ovation. We're walking outside, just like doing everything. Well, like John has it was a John Wayne show. While John doing his set that we've seen like a hundred times, so like we're just hanging out. And a lot of these people were like coming in and out to do their smoke breaks. So smoking's pretty popular in that area, apparently. One of the, one of the guys comes out to me and is like, "Hey, drunk is all hell," and he's like, "Hey, can I can I buy you a drink?" And I was like sorry sir i don't drink i'm like and he's like how how about a smoke i'm like <laughs> maybe uh i'll see you see you around sir and he he continues on his way i think nothing of the interaction fast forward to like probably 20 30 minutes later i'm hanging with the band band outside and some people come to talk to us and they're like wow wow that was really good what's your backstory where are you guys from the typical like know about you three questions etc what the what instruments do you play and the same guy passes by one hands my bassist like 50 dollars <laughs> Why? I was like, here, here you go. I was gonna spend it on gambling, but this is this is better. Yeah, honestly, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because my favorite place on the entire tour is the is the one that we never did shows in uh, Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah. Why didn't you perform? We, we just didn't have shows there. Oh, so you just like, what, yeah. what did you go to Pittsburgh for? It was just a stop along the way that we were able to stay. It's, a few days before the next run and they just got great food i like the i like the scenery i like the mix of industrial era blended with forests it's not it's not as grimy as people make it out to be i mean not as grimy as like any other city like like new york or jersey or anywhere anywhere else like or baltimore and then like exploring like that south end strip so many great stores we, we found like a guitar shop with pittsburgh guitars where a uh, tieback to Ben Youngblood, who were co-headlining in when toured with us, who was with us on that tour, got his acoustic guitar, his, uh, I think it's a Taylor, for pretty, pretty cheap. He traded his guitar right there, the guitar that he was using before, right then and there for that one. And he's pretty kept cool. with it. And um, we re revisited that place and they know us. And Oh, we also wrote um, the song on the collective bus, Take Time, in there. So you were definitely feeling inspired by this city. I just, just serendipity, I guess. Yeah, um, that's so cool, yeah. I mean, that could be like a long-term goal of yours to play there. If you guys are going on tour, that means like venues want you there. They're ready to have this kind of music to be played at their place, so yeah. For sure, like the way I go about it is like, see like, oh, here's the city. I want to play it. Let me do some research. It takes a it takes a few hours. I go through every possible venue. And it's, it's earned a lot of results of seeing who's survived post-COVID and who hasn't. And a lot of that has to do with laws were put in place yeah. on, on the, whether those were self-imposed or, or, or whether those were put in by the government. Like the contrast between a place like Miami versus Boston, Miami, that was all pretty much self-imposed. A lot of the bigger, vein, uh, they're kind of holding on a thread, but they they still exist in some fashion. 
while a lot of the pop-up places in Boston have closed down because there was a government ordinance oh, yeah. to to not have those lights reasonably because yeah. you can't have people gathering. Some places were lucky enough to, at some point during the pandemic, get money from the government, even though, you know, it wasn't for everyone. It's depending on whether they had money saved up prior. So like a, a historic venue, like the Funkin' Biscuit where I'm playing tonight or Churchill's, They've had money on the back end to be able to prepare for something like this. But something like a pop-up in Boston, which are rather frequent because Boston has a far more diverse in in the opportunities of venues. Like in Florida, everything's a lot more commercial. Like you would in Boston, Boston, you can go see free jazz, avant-garde stuff pretty readily comparatively. What happened because of that government ordinance where you had the, a lot of those places that didn't have anything that supplanted like a, like a restaurant or a bar or that back-end income, they just, or we're, we're just purely reliant on volunteers. Do you think there's like yeah. any way at some point in the future where they're going to be able to open back up again or like the similar kind of concept? That's that's definitely what's, what's going to happen. It's either they are going to come back or somebody else is going to fill in that spot. Here, I'll use Miami as an example. So Miami, are you familiar with So Far Sounds? Uh, no. So So Far Sounds is a worldwide for-profit initiative where they do house shows. I, I use house shows because it could be a workspace, a theater, etc. for these kind of small and acoustic shows uh, supporting small artists and fostering ecosystem. I volunteered for the SoFar Miami for like two years before all this stuff hit the fan. Basically because of COVID so far, so the so far Miami chapter that was trying to get off the ground died flatline. Now that we're getting back to this new normal, in my research, I found a company called Nomade or Nomade. I don't know how they pronounce it. And they're basically doing exactly what so far is doing for the local Miami area. Yeah, they're doing so far, but it's on a small end. They do it like once a month from what I hear. And they started in like in South America. And they're only in three cities compared to so far as like 440 cities. But yeah, in this current market where people are dying for, for live and people are literally dying, people are, are starving for live music. Someone is going to fill in that need because that's kind of how capitalism works for better or worse. It rides off of pure efficiency, which is kind of why it hit, hit America so hard because it, because it forced the United States to face reality about the nature of, of a capitalist environment that were really unsustainable to human living. I've heard the phrase capitalism breeds innovation, which when you look at it in details is not necessarily true for most industries. But what you were saying about like how people are starving for live music and so far sound or nomade or nomade, however they're pronounced, um, what they're doing is like bringing a new aspect to the music industry. And since people are gonna be wanting to go to way more shows than ever before, this kind of innovation sounds pretty cool to me. You know, whoever is like, hey, I have a space. Do you want to host a show here? I love the concept. I, volu I volunteered for so far for two years. And in, I love whatever I can can to foster an ecosystem for art. One of my dreams is actually being able to move out of my parents' house and being able to like run a little venue in like a basement somewhere. That would be that'd be cool as hell. But I wouldn't necessarily call what Nomade or so far doing as innovative, but rather profiteering off of stuff 
that has already existed. Like Nomadi is just copying so far, so far has been doing it, had been doing it for like 15 years at this point. It's good to see that the music industry is expanding that way. Because if there's like a second version kind of of so far, that means they know there's a market for it, that people like it. So there's, you know, going to be more opportunities. And so, yeah, that's, that sounds pretty cool. Have you watched, because uh, it was uh, released recently on Netflix, Inside by Bo Burnham? It's okay if you have Oh my God. You have? Yes. Because, yeah. um, oh my God, I watched it like two days ago. And when I, you know, when I realized I was going to be interviewing someone from a band, so someone who's been playing music for quite some time and someone who had to go through the pandemic as an artist, I instantly like made the connection. I was like, oh my God, because for people listening, uh, Bo Burnham is a comedian who uh, usually does comedy in the form of music. He writes and records his own songs. He usually plays them live. He actually quit, I think, a few years ago he stopped doing comedy on stage because he was having severe panic attacks and he like the year he wanted to get back on stage which was 2020 the pandemic hit and he had to write record and just do you know everything musically speaking from the inside of his own house hence the title inside by Bo Burnham and at some point during the show he pretends that there's a live audience inside his house like he plays little audio clips where you can hear people cheering or people clapping or laughing or whatever and I was like that is the saddest thing I've seen all year of like you know you can tell as an artist and as someone who plays usually plays live music he's so lonely inside his house and he has to pretend that there's a like an audience cheering him on like it's just have you experienced this kind of loneliness during the pandemic where you just wished there was like an audience cheering for you or were you not really affected by that? I don't necessarily need an audience. My my concerns and a lot of, uh, actually a lot of the musicians around me were kind of focused monetarily. That was more yeah, like, in terms of like how you were going to survive as a band, as a musician. Yeah, like that's, a, that's why a lot of bands... Uh, fell apart or couldn't keep together touring in of itself requires a, a huge front end monetarily speaking to do this our our goal realistically for for the rest of this year is to try to break even on all the shows that we're doing if you can't retain that frequency then you're you're just losing money a lot of people quit a lot of people find job like i had to find i had to find my first real job after doing mainly just volunteer work and the the, the touring nationally all my band had to get real you know my drummer works at a pest store i had i'm a cashier at a whole foods my bassist is doing graphic design um my former guitarist ben you know he he left because of those monetary reasons a lot of the anxiety we felt was because of like oh man how are we going to support ourselves in the coming future for my base basis like how are we going to um, how am I going to support how are we going to support our family going to get any independence for my family being inside with another thing is hell is other people things things can get really toxic especially with people who are opposite politically from you i'm i'm so glad that my my dad and i have been able to hash things out and have been able to have actual conversations again as human beings and not condescending to one another or not being vitriolic but it was vitriolic at one point my sister and i we were vitriolic to each other at one point how do you cope when you're trying to survive financially and not argue with your with your family every 
single day and also maybe try to make some music for when venues are going to reopen again reopen again like how are you able to like balance everything out that's a that's a great question which i think there's a lot of anxieties about inside that i felt where like close to home like what Bo was singing about I wouldn't have been able to watch that special like six months ago. The stuff of like the derealization, whether the lo- the audience is laughing with you or at you, wanting to c- have control of your perception. And I was dealing with that element of, of control because we're in the middle of being pitched to labels, but then we, we weren't. And it's all I, being that level of dependency kind of drove me crazy. And then the other of, of content generation, the, his whole his whole statement when he's like talking, doing his quote unquote stand-up set and being like the outside world is like a coal mine, a sort of thing that you have to engage in in order to make content for the very real and valuable digital space. Yeah, that that really got under my skin because social media has really torn me down as I'm trying to make content, trying to push myself and dealing with levels of body dysmorphia, dealing with the perception of how others perceive me, whether they're laughing at me or laughing with me goes back to that control how to deal with all that stuff i basically had to mentally and physically transform myself my transformation started after the capital riots i had begun meditation and then starting to change my relationship to social media as well and engaging with it when i'm ready to engage with it i take breaks every now and then um recently and i thank my friend mel mel bryant for this who really showed me like the style of content that she's making i kind of i fell in love with and i'm directly inspired by and i was like you could make kind of short songs that could be about anything you want that could voice your frustrations and people people will resonate with that rather strongly i i started doing that i started doing these little micro songs on tiktok the you know do a little song about how I almost died because my mom left the gas stove on or like is it a real story yeah that's that actually happened is crazy um because the week the week before that happened I was just I was really in a stressful state I was talking to my therapist my therapist was like you know you need to refocus and, and value the relationships you have and like live in the present moment because focusing on a future that hasn't happened is not going to bring any resolution to you because there is no future <laughs> so when that when that happened that really kind of clarified to me how f- the fragility well even more so the fragility of life it was a night we had dinner I went to bed like normal and then I woke up um, to see my friend my old friend Paul who's a firefighter <laughs> with my with my mom and like in her morning and I'm like what the heck what the heck is Paul doing here what a what a weird uh I haven't seen him in a long time I might as well see what's up and then I find out she left the gas stove on and she had been staying up all night because she she was so worried like that something might might happen or like she didn't know what to do so then she called Paul to just make sure that everything was all right and fortunately everything was um <laughs> that's that's a relief because all that you're gonna tell me that your entire house burned down yeah that, I, I mean <laughs> I, could have I could have died in my sleep so the reason you were telling me the story is because you've been trying to write like short songs for TikTok? Are you trying to use the app just like every other artist is trying to use it as a marketing tool for your music? Or are you just like going about it as like, oh, it's fine. Like it just, you know, passes the time. 
before I answer that question, uh, going yeah. on the tail end of that that divergent story that I went on. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, my mom, my mom is a really good mom. She's one of the sweetest people in the world, and that small that mistake is not reflective. Yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> that's not that's not for you. For you that's for those that's for those listening. Because yeah, when yeah. I did post that 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 song, people were very critical of my mom, and I was like, no. I, but anyway. Um, uh, to answer your question, half half and half. It's definitely a way to promote myself. It's a means to, to flex myself artistically. And if I blow up, I blow up. Oh, yeah. One of those things that definitely that is encapsulated in the Bo Burnham special that I felt is the passage of time and the feeling that your glory days are over, that the success the, the time for success has escaped you like he's done with like turning 30 as I've watched several of my friends like uh, Calica or Kid Sister uh, my friend Mel like just blow up in popularity and I'm I am happy for them, but it's also like the back of my head, a little voice is like, oh, like they're doing better than you. They're working harder than you. You're not, if there's a place for them, then there's not a place for you. It's not like, when is it my time? Or it's like, if there, is there even a time? Do you oh. even belong? Because you get to the conclusion is like, why, why do you not have that success? It's because you're not them and you can never be them. The creative process of like not knowing what you're supposed to be doing to be more popular. Have people like figured something out that you don't know? Like a secret solution to like making better music or being more famous it's like well easy to fall into this comparison well it's not even like just that like there's this there's some secret sauce and maybe there is but it's also like i it's it feeds back to the body dysmorphia thing where it's like i am not beautiful i don't fit into the normative westernized standard for beauty so like you you could be you could be too fat you could be too skinny and i think getting that dose of self-awareness and, and just checking like oh this is where my body's at this is where i need to be in order to get better in order to be healthy not to meet some sort of arbitrary standard in order to get into the pearly gates of acceptance but for my own internal mechanism so i can live longer live better and and happier in order to sustain the relationships with those around me because like your body is also a reflection of of your mind and they're the same thing do you think there's going to be a way for you to find a balance between like or like to apply this mindset that you have for your music to apply to yourself because if you're able to be so like laid back and chill about like oh it's not the audience that matters it's like what I do as a person like do you think there's going to be a way for you eventually to like be able to apply that mindset or is it more complex than that that's definitely what I'm that's another good question I that's definitely what I'm trying to do where where I'm trying to apply you no know, expectations to to anything like uh to the extra musical stuff and even even to work uh, I you know I, at the end of the day I'm I might get a write-up it makes no difference to me it is it is what it is as long as there are the sunshine people in my life i think i'll be good if your like long-term dream or goal is to open some kind of venue or some kind of project around music or keep on touring and eventually maybe tour at or like play at bigger venues like you're gonna have to find a way to use social media in a way that feels healthy because you know it's, it's kind of weird to say but social media doesn't seem like it's going anywhere and it's a growing marketing tool. And so if you're struggling with it, which is so normal for a lot of people, but if you're struggling to like put yourself out there and create content, like in the long run, 
you're probably going to run out of marketing tools. Like you're going to have to, you know, always go back to using social media in some way. Like it's like, you're not going to have a choice. So I really hope you are able to get that support system. And I really hope you're able to, you know, get better and apply the mindset you already have within you to like those other parts of your life to like, just make your dreams come true. It sounds super cliche, but like you have it in you and it just takes the right people supporting you and the right mindset. I, yeah, things are, things are getting better. My, my, I mean, my, my mood, like, again, I mentally and physically transformed myself and my mood has definitely gotten better. I don't, again, like meditation has helped so much in feeding back, fighting intrusive thoughts and I have them less and less. I'm on the spectrum. So I fall, I, I tend to have very repetitive behaviors that just like, so trying to filter them out better uh, through, through meditative practice has, has helped my, me a lot in my day to day. I just have two last questions I want to ask you and then you're free to go if you have to be somewhere and I don't know for a rehearsal or anything like that. First question I wanted to ask was what advice would you give to someone trying to start a career in the music industry right now? Like someone trying to make music on their own in their bedroom or someone forming a band or, you know. My first thought is depending on what you want to want to do, don't do a music degree. Find something that has applicability to the current job market because that's going to help you with your music career as well as outside of your music career. Anything, anything you can learn as a musician is already available online. You don't need to pay the exorbitant fee, unless you're getting a scholarship or something, go for it. But like, you don't need to pay so much money to learn stuff that is so free. And like, which ties back to my next piece, which is collaborate, network. The, you know, I, my success, I think is very much tied to putting myself with people who are far more capable, far smarter than I am. I, you know, I'm, I'm Adam Sandlering myself. If, uh, if that makes sense, you, you don't, you don't need to, you don't need to shoulder everything yourself. Obviously, the more you can learn, the better, the better, the more diversified your, your skill set is, the better your chances you have in the, in the job market, especially now where you are essentially a content creator and the more different kinds of content you create and the quality of content that you create, the better your chances are. You don't have to do do it all by yourself you can find that basis find that that guitarist find that that person that you want to collaborate and synergize with that's going to lead you down down a new rabbit hole creatively or even uh, on an extra extra musical level you know that's a that's a that's a relationship that that could not be forged otherwise so last question i wanted to ask is i found a playlist on your spotify account so the collective bus um spotify accounts and I think it was like music from like your music from uh, your friends from the music industry sorry and the question is if you had to make a playlist of songs or artists or like I don't know albums you've been listening to a lot recently like I don't know just stuff you're listening to right now like what would you put in the playlist uh the search is over by Ben Youngblood another Ben Young plug Leon Le Havas uh Covet the Tony Danza tap dance extravaganza that's probably Danza 4 is probably one of my favorite albums definitely my favorite metal album of all time the uh, um, Neil Cesariga, he's been a long time influence 
for me, like even from like his pop Potter puppet doll days. And is there like a song or an artist that you've discovered during the pandemic while browsing like Spotify or the internet or? Yeah, I've been getting into a lot of just like this, this new wave of, of like pop punk or and Scott, like these bands have always existed, but they're just releasing it. They've just decided to release music within the 2020, 21. So like bad Bad Operation. They just released a uh, is released a ska album last last year, and it's probably one of the best ska records I've ever listened to. So good. Um, the OBGMs, Meet Me at the Altar. They just got signed to Feel by Ramen. I love them. I can't believe they're not opening for Paramore. That's that's yeah. crazy to me. I think that yeah, they're opening for like All Time Low or something like that. And which I mean, that's so amazing. But like, I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, because it's not exactly like the same exact genre. Are you gonna mm-hmm. like see any? shows yourself like new bands you're planning on seeing i haven't really thought about it before the pandemic i was going to see caro caro benito but then their shows got delayed yeah so maybe maybe see caro caro benito planning on coming to miami but who knows i'm kind of i'm getting my own shows good right now before i see anybody else's what do you what do you like to listen to Oh, I listen to a lot of things i can listen to pop punk or plus hardcore but i can also listen to like indie soft indie music i listen to classical like just i don't know but right now i've been listening to a lot of pop punk music because i really i'm trying to like get back in the mood of like listening to my favorite bands from when i used to be like a you know emo kid in middle school or whatever and so since i'm planning on seeing maybe i haven't gotten my tickets yet but maybe seeing the story so far movements grayscale at uh the sad summer fest which is supposed mm-hmm. to be happening this summer so i've been listening to a lot of pop punk recently we're in that we're in that revival with like um with the transparent soul by willow oh yeah it's so good because i feel like travis barker also is just doing so many collaborations with literally anyone and yeah any product which is so cool because the final product is always really nice to listen to like i discovered a song recently i think it was released in 2019 but i might be wrong i found out he made an ep with the suicide boys which is definitely not a the kind of music i listen to usually but the drums on the songs they did together i was like whoa that slaps it's so good it's incredible like he's kind of fielding the the whole revival right now i mean as far as the mainstream line goes yeah i think i'm done with my questions is there anything else you would like to add or like tell the audience before they come see you at the poorhouse or i don't know just anything else you'd like to say be happy be safe listen to my band i guess if you want to but listen to to, uh, ben youngblood the search is over thank you so much for listening to this episode of eye on the triangle this was daniel korea from the collective bus His band is playing at the Poorhouse Music Hall in July 2021, and they're going on a small tour around North Carolina as COVID slowly but surely makes its way out. Check out their music on Spotify, The Collective Bus. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I guess I'll see you around. Take care.